You're listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. Hey, everybody. Logan here. At Curious City, we're continuing to investigate your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. A few weeks ago, I investigated this question about whether O'Hare Airport is raising birds on site. So lend me your ears. Chicagoan Steve Brockway was leaving his job at the United Airways Reservation Center when he saw something new. He pulled out of the parking lot at O'Hare Airport. And I saw that there was an aviary full of birds between uh, me and the runway. I thought that was kind of odd. So odd, because an aviary is for raising birds. And why would O'Hare do that? Brockway sent us his question and a photo. That picture shows a framed wood cage about six feet by six feet with mesh wiring. And in the cage, a bunch of small black birds, maybe 20 to 30 of them. I emailed the pic to O'Hare. Then they clarify, this aviary is actually a trap set up by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And the target? The European starling. And there's more. After the starlings are trapped, they're euthanized, killed. Humanely, but they're killed. In fact, last year, the USDA killed about one and a half million starlings nationwide. Thousands were caught at airports. And we actually kind of refer to them as flying bullets. That's Craig Pullins, a USDA wildlife biologist at O'Hare. You imagine a very large, dense flock of birds in a plane were to go and hit those birds that can really um, cause some damage. So, you know, we're seeing those flocks beginning to flock up now. Pullins helps keep O'Hare's planes and people safe by keeping animals away from the airfield. One tool is the starling trap. It's really hard to say what's working other than the fact that we can do what we know to do. Pullins couldn't tell me whether O'Hare's bird traps work better than other options or whether there are other options. So I look for experts and find Dr. Nick Carter. Carter founded a private bird management company called Bird Strike Control Program, which mainly works with the U.S. and Israeli Air Forces. He considers the USDA his main competitor, and he's not convinced airports need to kill starlings. By and large, lethal measures don't work at all. And if they do work, they work equally as well as uh, non-lethal approaches. If you've got a choice between option A or option B, one of them is lethal, one of them is non-lethal, and they're both equally effective, why not do the non-lethal one? Carter says there's another reason why lethal bird control isn't such a good option. Basically, it can upset the public. Even if you personally might not care about bird kills, you should know there have been public outcries over them. The best example was after the so-called Miracle on the Hudson incident in 2009. A U.S. Airways plane collided with a flock of Canadian geese and crashed into the Hudson River. No one died, but the agency retaliated by rounding up hundreds of geese from the riverbanks and carting them off to gas chambers. Some New Yorkers protested, but still, the USDA stuck to its bird removal plans. Here's Carter again. I hate to say this, it's kind of the irony of this, but if Miracle on the Hudson had been the disaster on the Hudson, people would take the bird strike issue very seriously, and the money spent on this would be much, much greater rather than as it is now. Not much change after the Miracle on the Hudson, because no one died. So let's bring all this back to our original question about O'Hare and why the USDA kills starlings there, when there may be other options. 
the agency kept killing the New York geese, despite protests. And the geese were native to the U.S. They were supposed to be in America. That's not the case for the European starling. It's an invasive species, a pest, and it's not legally protected. That puts a little bit of a twist on it. That's Michael Beeger, the national coordinator of the USDA's Airport Wildlife Hazards Program. You know, certainly there are people that recognize, okay, these, uh, this wildlife is non-native to North America. Maybe that makes them think about their decision a little bit differently versus a native, a native species like the Canada goose. So with O'Hare and its starling kills, the USDA does that because it's convinced killing birds works. And it's got political cover in that starlings probably shouldn't be here. Hence, the traps are curious listener photographed. But why is the USDA doing this work at O'Hare at all? Why not someone else who might use a non-lethal approach? The FAA requires airports to have wildlife hazard management plans, and the USDA holds the contract at O'Hare. It may be the cheapest option, something that our expert Nick Carter questioned. But O'Hare's spokesperson says the airport uses the USDA because the FAA considers the agency the federal leader. Regardless, the airport has no plans to find another contractor. But enough of this. Whether it's cheaper or not, or even ethical to kill a bunch of invasive birds, we thought we owed Steve Brockway, the guy who shot the picture of the starling trap, a better sense of what's being killed. So early one summer morning, I meet Jeffrey Williamson, he leads birdwatching trips for the Chicago Ornithological Society. So we're gonna we're just gonna walk out on the field here next to the the old terminal building. Williamson's got me at Chicago's Northerly Island, a 91-acre peninsula on Lake Michigan. It's swathed in prairie grass and wildflowers, and I should point out, it's the site of former Miggs Field, an airport of all things. Oh, it's a flock of starlings. <laughs> wow, that's uh, fortuitous. Let's go chase them. They're heading down that way. People find these starling flocks intriguing. Just check YouTube for videos. The irony is that people get most intrigued when starlings are most dangerous to our airplanes. As I look at this small flock on Northerly Island, I kind of fall prey too. There they go again. There's that little flock forming. Tight little ball of starlings. Yet between 1990 and 2011, starlings caused about $5 million worth of damage to commuter airplanes. And in 1960, one flock took a whole plane down near Boston's Logan Airport. 62 people died. So we have an issue. We have an issue. There are conflicts between airplanes and birds, crashes. So how are we going to... How are we going to avoid that? Uh, you know, I don't think anybody really wants to go out and kill the birds. Uh, it's just we have to, fl- we, you know, we, we feel we have to fly the planes, and I think there's a good argument that we have to. So people are trying to resolve the conflicts in ways that are essentially win-win. And so if you can deter the birds from coming out and causing a problem, then, you know, that's, it's, it's solved. There aren't going to be any, co- any collisions. Are we at war with the starlings? I suppose we're, some of us are at war with the starlings. I think starlings are pretty cool. Though, you know, especially if you watch these big flocks and how the big flocks move when they gather up in winter, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And our question asker, Steve Brockway, says he's satisfied with the answer. I guess I feel a little safer when I board an airplane at O'Hare. Um, and, you know, the starlings are a nuisance animal, and um, they are kind of taking over the natural habitat of all kinds of other birds, so... I suppose that I'm not terribly upset that that they've been euthanized, I guess. 
Sounds horrible, doesn't it? Does it? Let us know. So, what do you think? Is it okay to kill hundreds of thousands of birds a year if they're invasive? To see video and more investigations, visit curiouscity.wbez.org. At the time that I was doing this story, I was still fairly new to Chicago, and I didn't have a good historical context for what Northerly Island was. So when I found out when I was there that it was an airport, it kind of took everything to the next level. This beautiful island, most of the plant life and animal life over there are native species. And then the ornithologist that I'm with turns to me and he's like, oh, you know this island that we're on, you know it used to be an airport, right? Isn't that ironic? (laughs) And of course, it's totally ironic. And you kind of envision all of these other airports and like what what that space could be if we didn't have to fly all of these planes or like what airports can do to change their wildlife management plans if they can coexist more with the environment around them, etc. So being out on the island and having that context that it was an airport before it was this beautiful natural park was really interesting to see for me. curious about? Ask your own questions at curiouscity.wbez.org. Here's what some people have been wondering about lately. How does the Midwest stay Midwesty? Except for the drivers. I don't understand why everyone's so calm and nice, but then drives like a maniac and it really scares me. I'm just curious what this land actually looks like naturally. Why doesn't my neighborhood Rogers Park collect recycling? Because I hate bringing it all the way down the street and like having to drive to go bring it to a, a you know a collection site. To Jennifer Brandell, the producer of Curious City, Sean Alley, our editor, and Adam Pindle, who made this lovely podcast you're listening to right now. And don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes, and if you're feeling happy, throw us a couple stars. We'll appreciate it. Stay curious, y'all. Curious City is produced by Jennifer Brandell, WBEZ, Ziga, and AIR, the Association for Independence in Radio. Lead financial support comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.